Lord God, we come before you this morning knowing that there are so many in our families, in our communities, and here at church who need you this morning. We pray, Lord, for those who have had surgeries recently and who are recovering. And Lord, we know that sometimes recovery happens quickly, and other times it takes a long time. We pray your peace and your hand of healing on those now. Lord, we pray for those who have lost loved ones in the last while. We pray especially for Simon and Sheridan Fritz as they lost her mom this week. And Lord, there are those in our community who have other needs that you know. And Lord, we pray for each one of those people in our own hearts by, my, by, by name. Lord, we come to you this morning and we know that family is so important in our lives. And Father, we pray that you will be part of each family that worships here this morning. Lord, we pray that each parent and child relationship will turn itself to you and that you will help parents who are not sure where to turn and that you will be with the, the youngsters, Lord, as they too are struggling with their own things. Father, we pray your hand of blessing on our marriages. Lord, we know that when stress comes in, and especially this last stretch of the year, we know that marriages take strain. And Father, we just pray that each couple that is represented here this morning will turn to you first. And Father, we just pray that as a community, we will build strong families and strong marriages so that we can better relate to each other. Father, we pray for the leadership of our church. We pray for Jim as he travels in the UK. We pray that you will bring him back safely and give him rest that he needs. Lord, we pray that you will be close to Alex as he celebrated his birthday and Athalia, Father. And Lord, we thank you for the wonderful leadership that you have chosen here at Midstream Methodist Church. Lord Jesus, we bring you the Methodist Church of South Africa and we pray that your hand will be part of every single decision that is made and everything as we go forward. Father, we pray for our community leaders, we pray for our government. And then, Lord, we come to you lastly for ourselves. Lord, we come to you knowing that we've sinned in the week gone by, knowing that we've done things that we've really shouldn't have, knowing that we have hurt people, knowing that we've done things that you don't want us to do. And Lord, we know too that we have not done things that you have prompted us to do, we've just ignored, and we haven't listened to your voice always. And Father, as we come here this morning, we confess to you those things that are heavy on our hearts, and we ask you to understand and to forgive, even though we know we don't deserve it. And Lord, as you tell us we are forgiven, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that as we enter into this time of worship, we do so with a, with a clean slate. And we thank you, Jesus, that your, your death on the cross gave us that forgiveness that we needed so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to the wonderful worship team.
Got a bit of a girl band going here. A while ago, it was just boys. Now it's just girls. I don't know if it's something in the air, but <laughs> at some point we'll get it right. Um, okay, who can tell me what number service is this where we talk about worship? Joseph's cheating. Here was the other first service. <laughs> this is the fifth service about worship. And you might think, sure, what more is there to say? But friends, worship is not just this one hour we have here. Worship is every single day of our lives. And so we cannot stop learning and we cannot stop absorbing what it is that God wants to tell us. Um, our Old Testament reading, which we will read in a minute, talks about how when God's presence was with his people, they kind of carried it in the Ark of the Covenant, and they believed that God's presence was right there with them. And so as they left the desert, as they left Egypt and they started traveling into the desert, God's presence was carried with them. And I know that we sometimes read Bible stories and you've got a bit of a, you know, that old Charlton Heston whole, you know, the, the New Testament and, and all those sort of old-fashioned way people were, very serious and very, and very to the point. But I've often wondered if, if some of these guys in the Bible were not just a little bit more down to earth than we, than we treat them as. The next, the reading we have this morning is a conversation between God and Moses. And um, I just want you to listen for what Moses was saying. And, and sometimes we feel exactly the same. I'm reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 to, to 23. I'm reading from the message version, again, which is a slightly more up-to-date narrative. And it says this, Moses said to God, look, you tell me, lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. You tell me, I know you well, and you're special to me. If I'm so special to you, let me in on your plans. That way I will continue being special to you. Don't forget this is your people, your responsibility. Can you hear that little bit of a panic in Moses' voice? Okay. He wasn't just being all perfectly well-spoken. He was saying, God, what's happening here? I need to know. And then God says, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Wouldn't those be wonderful words to hear? Moses said, if your present doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. Sound like anybody in your family? Okay, it's not happening, it's not happening. How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we are special and I, I and your people among the other people on this planet Earth? Moses was saying to God, I hear you. I understand I'm taking the entire Israelite nation out of Egypt and we're going to the promised land, but I'm too scared to do it on my own. I want to know that you're with me. And God answers him directly. And this message, friends, was not meant for every single person that walked the face of the earth. This message was for God's people who had already accepted him as their God and who was following him. So that message is for you and I today, because we sit here also as God's people. They were traveling to the promised land, and I'm not going to make comments about men and directions, but it took them 40 years to get there. Um, <laughs> apparently, it wasn't such a long way, but aren't we like that ourselves? You know, God tells us, I'm with you, I'm taking you somewhere, and we're like, great, thanks, Lord, and off we go, because we've decided that's the shortest route from A to B. But God knows us, and he says, you know what? You're actually first going to go here, 
and you're going to learn this about me, and then you're going to go there, and you're going to minister to those people. And then you might have a bit of a struggle here, but I'll come back with you, and then eventually we'll end up at the promised land. Some of us here have been on this journey with God for a long time. Some of us a little less long. And that's okay, because like the Israelites, God was with them every single step of the way. And friends, God is with you and with me every step of the way, from when we were born until today. And for some of us, we can't remember when we were born and what happened when we were children. But God was always there. He was always present, just as he promised the Israelite nation. They were traveling with God. He was almost tangible. He was so close. And they were so stirred up to go. But don't you think that over a period of 40 years, some of that may well have worn off. And they started getting miracles happening around them all the time. They needed water, then Moses struck a rock, and there was water. They needed food, and manna fell from the sky. So God was very, very present. And they were walking on this journey with him every single step of the way. I sometimes wish I'd been there when God was that close where everybody knew he was there, where they could feel him, where they could sense him, where they could see him doing miracles. I sometimes wish I'd been there when God was so close and when someone like Moses was in charge. I think that man had a lot of authority. And he stood up and he told all these people what to do and they listened. I don't know about you, but if there's a strong leader, I'm happy to follow. And that's the sense I get from who Moses was. And wouldn't it have been wonderful if we knew what the plan ahead was? Wouldn't it be great if God told us, okay, here we go, step one, step two, step three. Wouldn't that be great? And that's kind of what Moses is saying. He's like, you told me you'll be with me, but I don't know what the plan is. Lord, what's the plan? How many times have you and I asked God the same question? Lord, I, I feel close to you. I see your hand here. I see your hand there. I feel your spirit, but what is the plan? We can't see the next step forward, but God can because that's who he is. So when we think about being present, which is the topic of today's worship service, is being present in a time of worship. When we think about being present, the first thing to realize is that this is not some meditative thing that we're going to now all of a sudden experience these weird and wonderful things. But we need to acknowledge that God is present. Because you see, when God is present, and when we start understanding that and acknowledging that, then we are drawn and motivated to be more present where he is with us. We can begin to experience communication with God. Now, communication doesn't always happen properly. I don't like voice notes. I have friends who send me... A 18-minute voice note, okay? And then there's like 17 issues they've discussed. <laughs> and you know how hard it is to reply to those? Because then you kind of got to go back and replay, and then what must I answer, and what did I say? And then you answer something, and then they come back with something else. And it's not really a conversation. I get frustrated. You know, unless it's with, you know, men. It's just like one or two words, you know? On my way home, done, okay. Pick up milk, done. That's, you know... <laughs> But I have friends that I need more communication than that. And so when we pray, we don't just pray and send God all this message and then carry on with our day. We need to listen for what he's saying. And he wants that face-to-face -face interaction with us. He wants that communication. 
He wants us to be present when he is present with us. And so that's what we're thinking about today in terms of being present in the word and here in worship. We can begin to experience the peace and the joy that comes with God's presence when we start to communicate with him often. Not just once a day. When I was little, my dad would come and sit next to my bed every night. And I had this little picture on my wall of Jesus standing and knocking. And every night we would say our little prayer, my dad and I, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Anyone else say that as a child? Look upon a little child. <laughs> Pity my simplicity and suffer me to come to thee. Amen. And that was prayer. That was that. Luckily, my mom had a, a bit of a, a go in the mornings and we'd pray about other things. But at night, that was our prayer. And imagine if you only said one little line to your husband every night and then carried on. Would that be a good thing for your relationship? Would that be communication? You see, communication is when you are heard and when you listen. It's got to happen both ways. And now I'm going to go to the New Testament reading that helps us to look at what it means to be present. And it's one that we've dealt with, and I, I will get to the woman at the well. It's our reading for the series, so we'll get there. But I'm going to talk today about two other women, Mary and Martha, who we meet in the book of Luke in the New Testament. And I'm reading from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sound familiar? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This passage, many years later in the New Testament, gives us some insight as to what Jesus, who was right there, present in the flesh, felt about these two different responses. We have two sisters. Anybody here have a sister? Anybody here ever fought around who's got to wash the dishes? <laughs> hey? Anybody ever felt that they weren't, being, they weren't being fairly treated at home and your sister was? Yeah, we got to a stage with our kids where I almost had to count out the grains of rice, you know, because somebody got more than somebody else. It's the nature of siblings, you know, and you get those labels, the good one and the law scorp one and the, the pretty one and the clever one, and we all get those labels. And I think in this house, Mary was the responsible one. Oh, sorry, Martha was the responsible one, and Mary was the little bit law scorp who was doing her own thing. Hey? Anybody have labels like that in your families? Hmm? And we live with them. And these were just two other people, two sisters living a normal life. They were both overjoyed that Jesus was with them. He was a family friend. He stayed with them when he could. And they were both so excited he was there. Can you imagine Jesus himself in your home? And each of them reacted in a different way. Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. She was right there where he was. She forgot about everything else. And she was very present with Jesus for that time. She didn't care about the dishes. She didn't care if the food wasn't cooked. 
She wanted to be right there with Jesus for that moment. And then Martha, of course, has a different reaction. What does this passage tell us? She was distracted. Anybody here ever get distracted? All the time. <laughs> hey, you start doing something and something else happens and then you get back, oh, I should have finished that. Hey, we get distracted and that's who Martha was. She was distracted by a million things going on in her mind. She was worried about the details of the day. As glad as she was that Jesus was there, she was worrying about all the details. In fact, she was probably worrying about the details for the next week because that's just how our minds work sometimes. She was in the same space as Jesus himself, but she wasn't present with him. And that can happen. We can sit here quietly in church with our minds running about 20 million other things. God calls us to be present with him. And these are two very normal reactions. And so what I'm going to talk about next is a few of the things that distract us. You may have your own list, which may or may not include some of these things, but some of the general things that distract us, distract us from spending time with God, distract us from being present with God as we sit here. Who's thinking about the roast that they took out before they left? Anyone? I wasn't until somebody mentioned it at the last service. I'm like, oh, I did take something out. I wonder where it is. Anyway, <laughs> hope the dog hasn't got it. But we'll get there. We get distracted so quickly. And some of the things that distract us from God and from just focusing for ourselves are within our families. How many of you are kind of almost wondering about what's happening at home? Who's doing what? What are the kids getting up to? Is there homework for tomorrow? Have I done the shopping? Is there milk when I get home? All these things distract us. We worry about our kids that are going into exams for the next little while. We worry about our kids who are battling at school, our kids who haven't managed to make friends, they've got sporting events, they're not with us, they're away. All these things play on our mind all the time. How many of us here leave work on a Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock, close your laptop and leave it alone and don't even think about it till Monday morning? Nobody. There was one guy at the last service. Come on. Hey? We don't. We keep on thinking about those things. I often think if we had to, you know, build the hours we think about stuff, <laughs> our employees will go bankrupt because we don't just switch off. We're distracted. You might well be sitting here thinking about a meeting that happens tomorrow already. And that's how we are. Sometimes we are distracted by unresolved emotions. Sometimes we're trying to focus on what God is doing or what he's saying, but somewhere inside us there's a, there's a hurt, there's an anar, there's an unhappiness, there's a sadness. And we realize that there's an unresolved emotion that we haven't dealt with. Maybe we need to speak to somebody and then we focus there and we keep on moving away from our focus on God. Maybe we have broken relationships that need some work. How many of us come to church and it's, it's an odd thing, especially on communion days, when you walk in and it's like, oh, you know, God always says we need to forgive each other and we need to move on and mend our relationships, and we haven't always. And that little sense of guilt sets in when you sit here in your, in your pew and we listen and we think, and all these things are distracting us. Sometimes we are more focused on the future, whether it be tomorrow <laughs> or next week or in five years' time. Sometimes what is going to happen in the future distracts us more than what is happening right now. And that's where the battle to be present comes in. 
Sometimes things that happened in the past distract us. Things we haven't processed, we haven't moved on from, things we're still hurt from. People we miss who have passed away, things from the past distract us whilst we're trying to be present. And then there's the physical stuff. How many of you love sitting still for an hour straight? <laughs> you all wriggle our watch. You know, <laughs> that's why we stand and we sing and we, and we sit down and, and we move around. Our bodies don't like to be dead still all the time. Some of us have got more tolerance and can sit still for longer, but some of us can't. And it's really hard and you start focusing, I'm going to sit still. And that's where the distraction is. Sometimes we hear noises. Today's lovely and quiet. There's no tractor generator running. We don't hear cars flying past. It's nice and quiet in here this morning. But when we're at home and trying to spend time with God, isn't that exactly when the dog starts barking and somebody rings the doorbell and the phone goes and we battle to switch off those noises when we're trying to focus on Jesus. And sometimes even here in our service, we're a little bit worried about people around us. I wonder what they think. I think, is my hair okay? Are the shoes all right? Um, I haven't seen them before. And we get distracted just by the people around us. I took, I have three sons, for those who don't know, and um, I took one of them, I don't remember which one because they all needed it, to the ADD doctor once. Um, and he sat there with this lovely long checklist of all the things, you know, all the questions to decide whether my child was ADD or not. And of course, I have three sons and a husband, so essentially four. And every th everything he mentioned, <laughs> you know, do they sort of you know, get distracted halfway through completing a task? I'm like, yeah, all of them. Um, do they not remember what they were doing? Do they leave things at home? Do they forget to take medicine when you give it to them? The whole long list of things we all do in some degree or another. And so when we get distracted, it's very, very hard to focus on spending time with Jesus. And we spoke a while ago about worship is not just being here for this hour, but we need to carve out places in our everyday life where we can spend the same kind of time with God. And maybe it's just going to be 10 minutes to start. But just to find that place is always a challenge. And so what are some of the things that can help us to focus on being present with God? Some of them that I think can help us in the service are music. And the music is sometimes great and sometimes a little wobbly. It was much better with Wendy here, thank you. Um, <laughs> early service was me and my guitar. But what about if we were to focus on who Jesus is when the music starts? What if there's a song that just calms your spirit and you play that whilst you're spending time with him? Music can really calm us down and focus us. And then there are the scripture passages. As we read scripture, I don't know how your mind works, but I kind of have a picture. I have a picture of Moses standing there with his hands in the air saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And God kind of thinks, okay, I'll be there with you. So I picture things that are happening during the scripture reading. And maybe that's a way of focusing us more. When we speak about Mary and Martha, I get a picture of what the house looks like and, and you know, the, the long passage to where the kitchen is. And then everyone else is in the lounge doing the cool stuff. And Martha's stuck in the kitchen. She doesn't want to be there, but she has to. And Ma Mary is not even going near there. She's just all the way down the passage. She's not going near that. And I get these pictures in my mind. And friends, it's not that... We don't have imaginations, we do. And I think sometimes God uses our imaginations to speak more clearly to us. So when Jesus spoke to people in the scriptures, 
we'll see how often he spoke to them at times and places that were very, very specific. We also spoke a while ago about being well prepared throughout the week, almost practicing what it's like to spend that time with God. And today we're talking about being present. Maybe you've had one or two opportunities in the week to really be present with Jesus. And that motivates you when you get here to get back to that place where you're close to him. We can ask God to help us to focus and to listen for his voice. Maybe we can ask him just to show us a small chunk of where he's really going to speak to us in the service so we can focus there. It's a long time to focus for an hour. Some people make notes during sermons, and that doesn't mean that they're writing down every word that somebody says, but maybe it's worth having a notepad and a pen, and when you feel something, when you hear something, when you experience something, write that down so that you can again reflect and remember in the days to come. We don't have to summarize every sermon, but I would encourage you to write down what you hear God saying to you specifically. And it might be through something the preacher says, it might be through a song, it might be through something in the notices, it might be through just watching the candle or looking at the flowers or, or children. God will speak to you somehow every time you're here because that's who he is. And the one thing we can do during the service is to enter into constant prayer with God during the service. So when you find your mind wandering off, just send up a little prayer. Lord, what are you saying to me right now? That makes sense. This, I understand something. If you're just constantly in that communication. There was a lovely um, British author called Adrian Plass. I don't know if any of you remember reading his books. They were quite big in the early 90s. And he wrote a book called The Diary of a what the sacred the sacred diaries of Adrian Plass, ages thirty-seven and three quarters. And one of the characters in his book, and it was kind of a very humorous look at church life. It's brilliant because it's a lot of it's very true. So it was wonderful to look at and to read. And he spoke about one of the characters who, after a service, was asked, you know, how did you find the sermon? And he said it was a seven wine gum sermon. So <laughs> Every time he got distracted, he obviously popped another wine gum, and it took him seven wine gums to get through the service. I'm hoping this is more of a six wine gum service, but um, it was just a wonderful way of seeing it. And maybe that's something you can do, stick a peppermint in your mouth just to refocus yourself every now and then. We know people get distracted, and it's okay, let's focus. And then the, the real trick is not just to manage to be in an absolute state of presence with God for one hour a week, but to extend that to the other six days. Do you remember the movie called The War Room? It was about a lady who carved out a little space in her closet, and she had a desk, and she had a candle and a cross, and that was her place, and she put scriptures up, and she posted them all over, and she found that space where she could quickly focus and be present with God and hear what he was saying to her. So maybe there's a bench in your garden, or there's a chair in a room, or there's a room you can close the door and nobody wants to come in. Maybe there's a space that you can find or you can make in your own home that just makes it easier to focus on God at that time. And we see throughout the scripture of how God and Jesus are in the moment with the people they meet. They don't mind if somebody's having a crisis Jesus stops 
where he is, and he's right there with the person. When Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, she had chosen an unusual time to collect water. We remember that she did that because she didn't want all the other ladies to be skinnering about her or to be whispering behind their, their hands. And so she went where nobody else was there. But who was there? God was. Jesus was right there. And he took that moment to be present with her. And he spoke to her about kingdom things, about lifelong changes, about living water. He spoke to her so clearly during an everyday little task. During a boring thing, going and fetching water at the well. She found him there and he found her. So we don't have to always create a perfect space. But we need to listen for when God is right close to us and saying something. And it's kind of like tuning in a radio. Remember how we used to do that? Nowadays we just push buttons. Okay, you used to have to tune and then you oh, go too far and you tune it again to God exactly where it needed to be. And sometimes it's like that with our communication with God. We just need to tune in when we hear him speaking to us. When we enter into the sanctuary and come into God's presence, we feel a little bit different when we walk in here. And even though this is also where I work and my office is just across there, if I come into the sanctuary during the week to fetch a guitar or to, to do something, it always feels different. There's always something about walking into this building. And during the COVID pandemic, we packed a million meals of food in here. Chairs were long gone. There were tables everywhere. We were packing food. And it was a production line. But it still felt different when you walked in here. Because this is where God lives. <laughs> this is his house. And this is where his presence is also. And so I would encourage you to find that presence here and also at home. Let's forget about the people around us and focus on Jesus for this hour. When we have our daily prayer time, let's make a special time and place to be present. Even if you just start off with 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes twice a week, start as a start and let's do that. When we have our daily prayer time, make it count. And don't pull off the shopping list. You know, Lord, please bless mommy and daddy and granny and grandpa and, 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 and all those things. But talk to God about what's going on inside. Be open and vulnerable with him because he's right there with you. He's present and he's waiting for you to be present too. And maybe when we finish off our day, if we've begun to embrace that practice of looking back over your day, of looking back and, and thinking and noticing when God was present, of looking back over your day and noticing when God was speaking to you, and noticing when you felt close to God, but noticing also when you didn't, and talking to God about that whole process of reflection. It's a good practice to get into, because we just get so busy, one day blurs into the next, and we've forgotten what the day before was, and what gifts God had given us. I used to have a little program on my laptop, and I called it Post-its from Jesus, and every time something happened that struck me, I would type a little thing and stick a post-it on it. And there, sometimes when I needed encouragement because I felt like I hadn't heard anything for ages, I could go back and I could see what God had told me in the couple of days before. I know this might sound easy and it's not, but it's well worth it. And God is wanting to spend proper time with us and not just quick little bits and pieces. It takes focus and intention and practice 
There's a lovely book called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it was written 300 years ago by a Carmelite monk called Brother Lawrence. It's a lovely little book. It's a, it's a quick read, and it talks about this monk who decided that he wanted to experience God all day, every day. And the way he did this was to go about having conversations with God throughout the day, irrespective of what task he was doing. And he talks about washing dishes with love for God. And he talks about walking down the road and collecting eggs and things in the presence of God. And he got into the habit, and it took him years and years, and it's 300 years ago, and we're all still trying. It took him a long time to get to the place where he was in constant conversation with God. And wouldn't that be a wonderful place to be? Just to be during the menial, everyday things, knowing that God is right there and we can talk to him. So we've seen how the Old Testament people of God knew that the presence of God was with them. And we've explored how to listen to what Jesus taught Mary and Martha. He didn't say to Martha, don't be who you are. He just said, for right now, the best thing is to be with me. It didn't mean that no one else is ever going to cook a meal. It just meant that the best thing at that time was to be with him. And so let's look for those times and let's find them and let's be with him. We have looked at what distracts us every day and even during the short hour of worship here. We've also been encouraged by Moses, who was able to tell God exactly what he needed and what he wanted. And God gave him what he wanted. And if you carry on reading in that passage, he doesn't just ask God for his presence. He asks God to show him his glory. So he's accepted that God's presence is there. And he said, Lord, now I want to see your glory so that I can lead your people even further. We've been encouraged by Moses, by Mary, and by Brother Lawrence to stay in close communication with Jesus throughout our day. Let us pray. Thank you, Father God, that you understand who we are and you understand how distracted we get. We thank you, Lord, that you also just want to spend time with us. Thank you that you are the one who comes and says, my child, come and sit with me and hear what I have to say to you. Thank you that you are the one that shows us what it means to have your presence with us. And Father, we pray that in the week ahead, as life carries on, as it does when we leave here, Lord, we pray that you will be the one to show us your presence and to draw us into that place where we can be present with you too. Lord, guard us and guide us every step of the way. In Jesus' name.